Okay, we meet in King Bar. King Bar opens at 7 o'clock. We're supposed to leave here at 6 o'clock. It is now 5.30, and I'm, I'm beginning my sermon. Oh, no. Okay. All right, so this is going to be a short message. Darn, I know. I know you guys are really waiting for another hour, hour-long message, but uh, it'll be a little shorter today. Uh, we really want to give glory to the Lord. Let's just give God a hand for uh, just what's happened in China and Indonesia. You know, I, as these teams came back, even before they came back, I knew that each team would be carrying back different treasures. And that when you go, you know, we go to plunder the enemy. And, you know, we know on this earth that every country possesses different resources, you know, that has different things to offer. And it's the same for missions, that everywhere we go, we're going to experience different treasures. And uh, I know for, you know, some of the teams, they saw, you know, Pua team saw over 100 healings, uh, just the power of God really minister in a mighty way. Uh, the China team, though, on, you know, it's like a stark contrast. It was much more intimate. Uh, they were meeting just with, like, these pastors who, as Megan shared, pastored over thousands of people. Um, but it was very more of an intimate setting. Some of the places they went, they had to be very careful because of the government. It was a very different setting. But I want to tell you that every team brought back specific treasures. And the treasures weren't, you know, the, the salvations or the healings or the deliverances. Those are wonderful things that we give glory to God for. But the treasures were experiencing God's heart during the missions. Experiencing His heart from the underground church. Experiencing His heart for the plight of the, the small Christian church in Jakarta among all the Muslims, experiencing just God's heart for the harvest uh, that is happening in Papua. And uh, that's really the treasures that I believe God was releasing in these teams. And um, I think that if we were to choose, you know, in retrospect, I'm just going to be honest, if, if you were to choose, you know, among the trips, like uh, which trip that I wish I, I could have gone to, I think if we we're honest, a lot of us would have wanted to go to the trip with like over 100 healings. We wouldn't want to go where the harvest is like, man, rocking and, and people are just like ready and the spirit is, is rocking their worlds. You know, we, we wouldn't rather go to a place where it's like, man, there's a lot of spiritual warfare and we got to press and, and we don't get to see so much of the fruit of our prayers. Despite knowing that you've just ministered to pastors who take care of thousands, which take care of even more of a church that is oppressed by the government. I mean, that is amazing. But it's just something about us. You know, we as humans, we want heaven. But in our mind, heaven is just peace and quiet and ease and just being comfortable and having authority. And we just want to be able to go outside to the prostitutes and to the homosexuals and just pray for them and, and bam, it's easy and, and everything is just flow. And I, I think that's what most of us want. We want the harvest. And uh, I think if you were to look at soldiers back during World War II, many of them would have said, hey, if I could choose any point of the war to fight in, I would choose the very end of the war. I would choose right as we're going to Germany and they're like running for their lives and this is easy and like everybody's celebrating us and, and the victory and we get to go home for a parade. I don't think anyone would choose D-Day, you know, storming the beach, watching their friends get, you know, knocked out, you know, next to them. I don't think anyone would want to go through the forests and the bombings and, and just all the things that, that many of the older veterans had to go through during the war. But you know what? I think if God had his choice for us, he would want us to go through everything. He would want us to endure every experience, every part of battle, every part of the war, even the wounds, even the loss, even the sorrow. Because more than the victory, 
more than, than you know, winning a battle or anything like that, what God really wants for us is to know how to trust in Him, to know His heart, to experience His heart in our lives. And this is what I want to speak about today, that there is something that is in each of these missions and that is in our lives that underlies all of our motives, that underlies all that we do. And it's something that is far greater than us. And what it is, it's the spirit of Maranatha. The spirit of Maranatha. And Maranatha is a Greek word for, come Lord Jesus, or O Lord, come. And I'm going to ask Marcus to put up Revelation 22. And this is the last chapter in the Bible. And we're going to read some of the very last verses. 20 and 21 are the very last verses of the Bible. I'm going to read them for you. It says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things, Jesus, who testifies to these things, says, Yes, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. See, the Bible closes with these verses. And what they represent is a cry of the church, the bride, and the cry of the Holy Spirit for Jesus to return. The cry of Him to come. But you don't just have that. What you also have is a cry to the broken, a cry to the thirsty and to the weak, for them also to come and to come into relationship. And something we have to understand about the spirit of Maranatha is that it is not one way. It is not just us crying out to God, Oh Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. We want you in our lives. But it's a call from God into our hearts as well. A call that says, Come. All who are thirsty, come and drink. All who are weak, come. Come into my embrace. I want you to come into my life. To come and be near me. You see, all of you guys know John 3.16. All of you guys know that God so loved us that He even sacrificed His Son that we might come to Him. You guys know this verse, but if you really reflect upon it, it's a verse that should just alter our lives completely. It should just blow us away that God loves us so much. He wants a relationship with us so much that He sacrificed that we might come to Him. He gave up His Son that we might know Him. This is His love for us. This is His call for us. Come. Come. I have created you that we might have relationship. You see, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, God creates the sun and the moon. He creates the stars and the sky. He creates the earth and, and the, the mountains and the sea. And He creates all the fish and the birds and the animals. Just all this creation. It's majestic and amazing. But then we have a distinction for the last thing that He creates. Genesis 1.26 says this, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You see, after all creation, after all these amazing things that God has made, God chose to make one thing in his image, one thing in his likeness. And that's you and me. You see, a beautiful God, an amazing God, a majestic God, a beautiful God chose to make you in His image. And so I ask you, what does that make you? Compared to all creation, a beautiful God made you in His image. So what does that make you?
You're beautiful. You're his treasure. You're the one that's set apart. You're the one that the entire Bible is set apart for. You're the one that his son died for. You are the one that out of all creation, he's chosen to make out of his image, to have relationship with. You're the one he desires. He possesses this spirit of Maranatha where he just longs for you to come, to be with me, to come into my presence. You see, if, if you know, a lot of us, we look out and we see the Niagara Falls or we see the Himalayan mountains or we see the Grand Canyon and we think that is amazing. That is God's creation. That is so beautiful. That is something that we really need to preserve. We really need to set apart. And then we look outside here and we see a bunch of buildings and we see all these people running about. We see just busy, busy, busy. These huge buildings towered up, just cement blocks everywhere. Just, you see very few trees. In the river that you see, it's, it's sadly polluted. You know, it's, it's just, it's not like the Grand Canyon. It's not like the Himalayan mountains. It's not like the Niagara Falls. It's, it's just a bunch of cement with a ton of people, millions of people going around it. But I want to ask you that if you were to ask God, what do you treasure more, Lord? What do you find more beautiful? What are you more enamored by? Is it the Grand Canyon? Is it those spacious fields that are so beautiful? The things that take our breath away? The Niagara Falls? The, the mountain ranges? Or is it just you know a bunch of cement blocks containing a ton of people? And he would say, I love the city. I love this place. It's filled with the people that I've made in my image. See, the earth is going to pass away. You know, those mountains, those things, you know, the, the, the trees, the animals that we treasure so much and, and we, you know, try and try and protect, you know, and we should. But they're meaningless compared to us. He would have never sent his son for them. He sent his son for us. He loves us. You know, if, if you were to go to the Niagara Falls, you could pay some extra money to go behind the falls and to, to see the water rushing from behind. And it's kind of cool for a few, few minutes at least. But you got to pay money and there's a ticket lady. And, you know, so many of us, we get there and we're just so wrapped up in the Niagara Falls. We're so wrapped up in, you know, seeing this, this spectacle that we throw down, you know, our few dollars. We get our ticket and we just pass by that lady. But you know what? Every day God looks upon the Niagara Falls and rather than looking at the water, he's looking upon that lady. His heart is for her. He loves her so much. And I want to tell you, he values you as well. He loves you so much that out of all creation, out of all the stars and in the sky, and, and just out of all the mountains and the sea and, and all the animals, he treasures you so much more. He wants you so much more. He wants relationship with you so much more. He says, Come. Come to me. I will give you drink. I will feed you. I'll give you the bread of life. Come to me. Come into my presence. You see, many of us, we think of the Garden of Eden. And what immediately comes to your mind, the Garden of Eden? I bet you just immediately saw, like, green. You saw all these plants and lush. You know, maybe you saw Adam and Eve. And you saw, you know, beautiful river going through and peaceful animals. That's what a lot of us think of the Garden of Eden as. And if you think of heaven, sometimes you think of, like, bright... You know, you think of clouds, maybe angels with harps, you know, streets paved with gold. But you see, Garden of Eden was not paradise because it had beautiful trees 
and peaceful animals. Heaven is not heaven because it's got angels with harps and streets paved with gold. Garden of Eden was paradise because it represented a place of true intimacy with God. It represented a place where Adam, his son, and Eve, his daughter, had intimate relations with him. One-on-one love with him. That is paradise. And you see, heaven is a city. It's not just a place where you're alone in that place. You're alone on that cloud. It's a city where we are all together. Because God is so enamored by us. He loves us so much that he wants us as close to his heart as possible. I want to tell you, God loves the city. And heaven represents a place of true intimacy with him. That is why it is heaven. It's a place where we are just with him, where no longer are we broken down by the sin of this world, by the temptations, by the struggles, by the shame. But instead, we can behold his face all the days of eternity. We can just be with him. That's what true heaven is for us and for God. Relationship with him. And I want to tell you guys, God wants to reveal his kingdom to you. He wants to reveal true heaven to you. And it's not just a place where, wow, you feel no pain and, you know, you're just at peace and you can just sleep or just relax. It's a place where you can be in his presence and soak in his love, where you can receive his touch and hear his gentle whisper. That is what true heaven is. You see, the spirit of Maranatha is all about relationship. It's all about intimacy. It's all about coming together. And on the flip side for us, if you want to look at human relations at, at any marriage, if, if someone were in a marriage, you, you, you got to know that a happy marriage is not based on just happy memories. You cannot have an intimate marriage if you are only together when the times are good. You see, if I were to say to someone, hey, I don't want you to see that part of me. I don't want you to know that part of me. What I'm basically saying is I don't want to have intimacy with you. I don't want you to truly know me. I only want you to know this much of me. And that's not intimacy. That's not true relationship. And if you look at some of the greatest men in the Bible, like Moses and Elijah, they had true intimacy with God. You see, these were the men that that did the amazing feats, the amazing miracles and, and all that. And while that's great, they also did some really stupid things. They also had a lot of doubt. And they were also very honest with God. It says they would talk to him face to face. They were real with God. They weren't trying to hide themselves away. They weren't trying to run from God. They talked to him face to face. And God loved them so much. He honored them above all these other men in the Old Testament. They were intimate with God. And you look at the same with the disciples. They had three years with Jesus. And during those three years, they ate with him. They stayed with him in the house. They did ministry with him. They they got on the boat together with him. Went out in the middle of the sea. They had intimacy with Jesus. And they did some dumb things. We read about it in the New Testament. Just some of the the, the things that they said, some of the actions they took, and it's just like, man, what are you thinking? But Jesus continued to love them. Jesus, he'd rebuke them, but he would accept them. He would care for them. Jesus earnestly prayed for them in the garden. He washed all of their feet, including Judas, who betrayed them. Jesus loved them, and they had true intimacy with him. True intimacy. And that that intimacy was confirmed that when Jesus was resurrected, when he came back from the dead, he went right to them. He forgave them for for rejecting him, for running from him, and he accepted them. They experienced true heaven, true intimacy. And I remember uh, I was at One Thing Conference, which is held by International House of Prayer back in 2004. 
And uh, I saw a seminar that was on how to be an apostolic minister. And I didn't even know what apostolic meant, but I knew it had to do with like Peter and Paul and like amazing ministers of God that do miracles and healing. So I was like, cool, I want to I be an apostolic minister. So I signed up for the seminar and I went to it. And it was held in this small auditorium that was usually held for concerts. And so the speaker, Alan Hood, said, hey, you know, because this is such like, it was like an opera room or something, I just want us to worship God for a bit, and then I'll I'll lead us in the seminar. And so he invited a a lady up with a guitar, and she began to lead worship. And the Spirit of God began to move in the place. I'm telling you, I mean, people were getting wrecked. I was getting wrecked. We were just worshiping the Lord. In the back of my mind, though, I was thinking, I still want the seminar, though. I still want to learn how to be an apostolic minister. But I, I just continued to worship the Lord. And finally... Towards the very end, Alan Hood came up, and he was just crying. He was just so touched by the Lord's love. And he said, okay, the secret to being an apostolic minister, the secret to being an apostolic minister is missing him, is missing Jesus. You see, the disciples were with him for three years. They had true intimacy with them. They experienced heaven on earth. And when they said the kingdom of God is near, they meant Jesus. They meant intimacy with him. They knew the greatest love that one could ever taste. And Jesus told them, gospel will be preached to all nations. And then I will return. Then the end will come. Then I will come back. And they knew they had known the best love that one could ever taste, one could ever experience. And so they gave their lives Just as God gave up His Son as a sacrifice that we might come to Him, they gave up their lives as a sacrifice that we too might come to the Lord, that Jesus might return, that we might have true heaven with the Lord because they missed Him, because they loved Him, because He was all that they had. He was everything. You might not know, but the early church, their greeting wasn't shalom. That was the greeting of the Old Testament. But after Jesus died and went to heaven, they took up a new greeting. And whenever they would meet each other, they would say, Maranatha. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. That was their greeting. It wasn't hello. It wasn't hi. It was come, Lord Jesus. You see, these Christians at that time, they knew that any day, because of the Roman regime, they might be arrested and executed because of their faith. They knew that their lives were in the balance, that that anything could happen. But their treasure wasn't here on earth. Their heaven wasn't of the things of this earth. Their heaven was Jesus. Their heaven was intimacy with Him. Their treasure was their Lord Jesus Christ. And so whenever they would see each other, they would say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you that in China, you heard about China and Jakarta and Papua. And you guys know what's going on here in Itaewon. If you didn't, I mean, you just got prostitution all around us and and different homosexual bars and a Muslim mosque right behind us. It's how desperate these people are. They're trying to find heaven here on earth. They're trying to find just, just some sort of satisfaction, some sort of joy, some sort of pleasure in the things of this world, in all the wrong places. But what they really need is Jesus. And there's a cry coming from heaven for them, and there's a cry coming in from heaven for you as well. Come. Come. Come into my presence. Come and have a relationship with me. Come. 
And you know what? As you come into him, those temptations, those desires, all these things, they begin to fade away. Because you experience true heaven. You taste and see the Lord is good. His love is better than life and we must praise him. As you taste that love that is better than life, all those temptations, all that shame, all those things that were holding you back, you're able to let go. And you're able to say, God, you know, clean out my closet. God, come in. See everything that is within me. I want true intimacy with you because that is what true heaven is. That is what true heaven is. And you have treasured me more than anything else here on earth. You have set me apart and I am made in your image. I'm your daughter. I'm your son. And you love me. I want to know this love. And I want them to know your love as well. Church, this is the spirit of Maranatha. And this is a short word. But guys, I want this word. I just pray that this is a word that gets into your heart. That the truth is, in being a true apostolic minister, and being a true minister of God, a mighty woman, a mighty man of God, it's not through these signs and wonders. It's not through pressing and pushing. It's just through relationship with God. Through yearning for Him. Through wanting Him. Through waiting on Him. Calling upon His name. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, come into my life. Come into my community. And as you do that, it becomes natural. As you do that, heaven invades earth. It invades you, your family, your work, your community all around you. This is the spirit of Maranatha. So with that, I'm going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father God, I just thank you that you love us so much. We are your treasured possession, fearfully and wonderfully made, God. We are your crown in your hand, precious and honored in your sight, and you love us, O God. Made in your image, your treasured possession, the apple of your eye. We are the ones, Lord God, that you wrote to, Lord, in the Bible. We are the ones, Lord God, that you have set apart from birth. We are the ones, Lord God, that your eyes are upon always. We are the ones, Lord God, that your heart yearns for, that you sent your Son for. We are the ones, Lord. You love us and you know us, Lord. You call upon us, Lord. God, you say, come. You say, come. You say, come into my presence. Drink, eat, be with me. And Lord, I just bless your church. And Lord, I declare a blessing over this community of the spirit of Maranatha invading our lives, Lord. That God, you are heaven. You are true heaven, God. Intimacy with you is our desire. The knowledge of you walking with you, hearing your voice, Lord God, and just revealing all that we are, Lord God, our good and our bad, our highs and our lows, everything that we have, God, because you love us. And you've already demonstrated the greatest love that we could ever ask for by giving your son for us. This is your love. And we pray, consume us with this love. Let this love consume this area, this community, God. Let it overflow the spirit of Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, come and invade, invade, God, we give you praise, honor, and glory for Jakarta, for Papua, for China. We give you praise, glory, and honor for what you're already doing in this area of soul. And we want you more. We need you more. You are the love of our life. You're the reason that we live. You are everything, God. And we just declare that we miss you. We've tasted. We've seen. There have been moments in our lives, Lord God, where your love has touched us mightily. And we declare, Lord God, we're hungry for more. We want more of you and not just for us, but for those around us. And that just as you gave, just as you loved and you sacrificed that we might come to you. Enable us, Lord God, to know your love and to love and to sacrifice that those around us may come to know you as well. 
We love you, Lord. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.